Let's give it up for our worship team one more time, leading us in a time of praise and song. One of the reasons why I wanted us to sing that last song is because it comes out of this theme that we've been in uh, for the past three weeks. We've been in a series here at Walk Church that we've titled Believe in the Miracle. Part of the reason why we selected that as our theme for this Christmas series is because the Christmas story is really all about miracles, miracles that, think, that only God could do that are on display before us through this narrative that we know as Christmas. And it's so good that we can study it and grow deeper into it. Three weeks ago, we learned about this couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth in their older age having this miraculous moment with an angel named Gabriel pronouncing to them that they're going to give birth to a baby boy whose name would be John. And he would grow up to be John the Baptist, and he would prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. And shortly after the angel Gabriel visited them, he visited a young lady by the name of Mary. And Mary, many scholars believe, was in between 12 to 14 years old. She was a young middle school girl who God chose and selected to say, hey, you're going to be the one who I'm showing favor to, who I'm going to bless to give birth to the Son of God, who would be the Savior of the world. I love Mary's response. Very simple. I'm the servant of the Lord. Whatever you say, let it be done to me. And she put her yes on the table, and God used her greatly. Last week, we learned about the song that she wrote. Mary was a worshiper. She was a singer. She was a songwriter. And we learned about how in humility she sang this song and she turned her worries into her worship. And she said, I'm not going to let any type of doubt or any type of struggle or any type of fear stop me from being the woman that God has called me to be. And she worshiped through her worries. And now today we come to the final message in this series. And I'm excited about it. And, and really, to be honest with you, I was praying about where God would lead me in his word tonight regarding the Christmas story. And as I was reading, I noticed I, I jumped over a section that I usually just read through and never give much time to. It comes in the first 12 verses of the Gospel of Matthew. I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. And it's in this story that we learn about the, the people that we know as the wise men. And maybe you, you're not too familiar with the wise men, but hopefully when we leave here tonight, you're like, man, I know those wise men better than I did when I came in. I believe we can learn much from the wise men. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read these verses and see what we can learn tonight. Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord that you would do a miracle here tonight. Right now in this moment, on December 24th, 2018, we can say we met with the Lord at Walk Church. God, speak to us now as we open your word for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The scripture says it like this in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
Verse 7 says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I may too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and not Frankenstein, but frankincense and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way, by another way. I want to preach to you a message tonight that may be a little different title than what you may have been expecting. I want to title it this, Pro Tips from the Wise Men. Pro Tips from the Wise Men. Maybe you're familiar with this phrase, Pro Tips. If you're familiar with social media or the internet world, this is a catchphrase that has become a hashtag for people that think that they can teach something or they have experience in something specific, and so they'll share their knowledge, they'll share their wisdom, and they'll put a little hashtag, Pro Tip. These are some of the pro tips that I found trending around the internet world as of late. This is a a mom pro tip. If you're old enough to critique what I put in your lunch, you're old enough to make it yourself. We got a clap right there in the front row. (laughs) She was like, "Mm mm-hmm, amen to that. Pro tip. Hey, let me set some house rules. If two people clap, we all clap, all right? Right? We're going to support our clappers in the house, all right? Another pro tip that I found was from a foodie, a foodie pro tip. Keep pie from drying out by eating it all in one sitting, right? Yeah, okay. A couple people are like, yeah. This next one I thought was just a little bit deeper. It kind of hit me in the gut. Love your spouse more than you love your career, hobbies, and money. That other stuff can't love you back. A marriage pro tip. Yeah, some people are like, okay, I'm taking some notes right here. Uh, there seem to be a lot of marriage pro tips all over the web. People think that they got it figured out. If... If you're wrong and you shut up, you're wise. If you're right and you shut up, you're married. All right. Pro tip. Marriage pro tip number two. Learning a lot of pro tips. Last pro tip. I thought that this was a neat one. I think this is accredited originally to Wayne Gretzky, the great hockey player. Go Knights go, by the way. Um, He said, if you miss 100% of the shots, you never take. Right? A pro tip saying, shoot your shot. Take your chance. Pro tip from the web. I believe that if the wise men had social media devices, that it would be wise of us to listen to their pro tips, that they're known as the wise men, that we could get something out of their testimony. And I believe that we can. We can look at their story. We got 12 verses all about the wise men that maybe could lead us to some pro tips and we would leave here maybe a little wiser than when we came in. If you come into agreement with that, let me hear an amen. 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 Well, just let's start it off with with some context here. As we look at the first two verses, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I wanted to highlight that because it's important that we know about what we know from the scriptures, who these men are. Now, we don't have a ton of information. And I think the information that we do have, we would do well to get from the scriptures. 
Now, I'm going to just give a disclaimer. Some of the stuff we discussed tonight from the scriptures may blow up some of your ideologies or mythological views of the wise men. For example, they have a song that's written about them called We Three Kings, but in nowhere do we see them to be kings. But maybe We Three Wise Men didn't sound as catchy. So we got We Three Kings, but we do know that they're wise men because of what that says in the scripture. Some of your translations may say magi, which translated in the original language to wise men. These wise men, based off of tradition and scholars, would claim to have been astronomers, physicians, scholars, uh, men of high estate, very very well known in their context and culture, uh, with lots of resources, financially stable, uh, good reputation among the people, overall just wise men. The text also says that they come from the east. We don't know exactly where they came from, from the east. Most scholars believe they came from somewhere in Babylon. Um, they, they could have been associated with the, the prophet Daniel, who we see also in the Old Testament, or they could have had some type of revelation or information that was around his time as he came from the east as well. And so we don't know a ton, but here's what we do know, that they were on their way to Jerusalem. Again, to pick on the song, We Three Kings, it says that they saw a star pointing to the east, but it just says that they're from the east and they're going to Jerusalem. So really the star was pointing west, but who's, 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 who's counting, right? And so that's what we see here. We know that they're wise men from the east coming to Jerusalem. And I just want to get you a picture in your head of who these men might be. David Platt in his commentary on Matthew says, when we picture these men, we shouldn't think of them as an isolated stargazing club. These men were well-respected with roles in both religion and politics in their own land. They almost certainly had a high position wherever they came from. Oftentimes we associate the three wise men as three wise men, but nowhere in scripture does it say that there were three. There could have been 10, there could have been 20. We do know that they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they presented these to Jesus when they saw him. But it could have been many more. It could have been less. But we do know what we know, that there were wise men that come from a strong background, and they showed up and were on the way to see Jesus. I want to give you the first pro tip tonight that we learn from these wise men that I think is important, that these wise men knew the scriptures. A pro tip that I received as I read and studied their story is that man, these guys knew their Bible, especially when it came to the left side of the book, the Old Testament. And I think it would be wise of us tonight to just stop for a moment and to challenge ourselves to say, you know what? A wise thing for me to do is to make a goal to say in 2019, I'm going to get to know God better than I did in 2018. And here's how you can get to know him, by listening to him speak, by opening his word and letting him speak to you and reading his scriptures. King David gave us a pro tip in the book of Psalms, his poetic wisdom journal book. He says it like this in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. He says, blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, when some of you heard me read that, you heard me say the word duty instead of delight. Because your time with God in his word seems more like a duty. But I want to encourage you tonight 
that reading God's word and listening to him speak, the pro tip would be to make that thing a delight where we enjoy hearing from God. It says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I learned from David this pro tip that he spent time with God and his word in the daytime and in the evening time. He must have thought that was the wise thing to do. Remember, we're learning from wise men. We're not learning from religious scholars. We're not learning from spiritual people. We're saying, hey, these were the people that were considered wise. And they knew the scriptures. Now, maybe you'd ask me tonight, how do you know that they knew the scriptures? Well, they told us in Matthew chapter 2, we are looking for the star that's pointing to the king of the Jews. Why does that make any sense at all? How, does, how are they associating a star with this baby? I, I believe that they did that because they knew the scriptures. Very deep into the book of Numbers, we find this prophetic word that was given through Moses in the book of Numbers. The scripture says it like this. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star, everybody say a star. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This was a prophetic text that was pointing to the Messiah who would one day come down from heaven and be born of a virgin and save his people. Now, people that knew the scriptures and said, you know what, I'm going to bank on God's word and trust in God's word. We're waiting for the star. They, they would come out and look and say, where's that star? Because that star is going to reveal to us our king. That star is going to reveal to us when our Savior is here, that it's now the time. And these wise men looked up one day and saw the star and said, I'm dropping everything. I'm gathering all my resources, and I'm going to find this king. I'm, I, I, where is the baby who would be the king of the Jews. They, they said this is the most important thing that we could be doing. Now, maybe you'd say, you know what, that doesn't look familiar enough. How do you know? Well, they might have been more familiar not only with the Numbers text, but also from the prophetic verses from the book of Isaiah, also found for us in the Old Testament. Let's look at this together. Isaiah prophesies 500 years before Mary even was born. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. And at this point, that was the testimony. For 500 years, there hadn't been a word spoken from God. No prophets, no angelic visitations, nothing happening, just silence from the Lord. Darkness. But right now, he says, this is what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. The Lord will arise upon you. His glory will be seen upon you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall, be, shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. Does some of this sound familiar? The young camels of Midian, Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold. Come on, somebody. They shall bring frankincense. They shall bring good news. 
the praise of the Lord. I think the wise men knew the scriptures. They said, hey, he's coming, and we're going to show up, and we're going to be ready. And we're going to find this king, this Messiah, this Lord, this Savior. They knew their scriptures, and not only did they know them, but they believed them. That this, the scriptures set them in motion. I want to encourage you that in 2019, you don't got to wait to 2019. You can start tomorrow. That maybe you would take this challenge to get to know God better through his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And when we get in this word, this supernatural book, we commune with God. Let me give you a pro tip. If you want to have a bad relationship with somebody, just never listen to them. Children in the room, if you want to have a rough relationship with your parents, just don't listen to them. Spouses in the room or relationship, dating couples in the room, if you want to have a bad relationship, don't listen to each other. And the same is true for God. If you want to have a distant, rocky relationship with God, just put your Beats headphones on and never listen. But God's speaking to us through his word. Let me give you the second point. If you're ready, say ready. The second point is not only did they know the scriptures, another pro tip is that they came to worship Jesus. Let's look at it in the scriptures. Matthew chapter 1 says it like this. They came from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born of the king of the Jews? They knew their word. We saw his star, Numbers chapter 24, when it rose, and we have come to worship him. I love that their heart is a heart for worship. The scripture says that they have come for one reason. They wanted to come see Jesus and to worship him. I don't know what your experience is with the Christmas story, but here's what I'm convinced of more than ever today, that I'm grateful for the lights. I'm grateful for the trees. I'm grateful for moments with pictures with Santa and movies and all types of fun stuff, but may we never ever get so far away from the meaning of Christmas, which the wise men knew. This was wise wisdom from them. They knew it was all about Jesus, wasn't it? They said, we are showing up to worship him. And I love the fact that they weren't going to allow anything to keep them from this one thing. Think about it like this. They didn't have a Tesla to jump in and take them there. They didn't have an airplane or a helicopter to hop in to go there. Most scholars believe that, that the, the east area that these wise men were from was at minimum 100 miles away from where Bethlehem was. Some believe it was, there was 1,000 miles away. Some believe that this journey, this pilgrimage, took them at least three years to get there, that they were on camels and and donkeys, and spending their fortunes just to show up and worship Jesus, right? I, I had this conviction come over my heart just recently. It was one of those strange, weird, rare, bad weather days in Las Vegas. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where for some reason you just wake up and it's windy and rainy, and you're like, how? Where, how, how does that even happen, right? And it was just a little rainy that morning, and I pulled up here to the church, and I sat in the parking lot, and I just had this this prayer in my heart, and I just said, Lord, I just really pray that somebody shows up today. And God was like, I just sensed like, why are you doubting or praying that? And I just had this mindset like, hey, if there's bad weather, people won't come. And, and, and here's the reality. And isn't that sad that we'll, we'll allow rain to keep us from worship. We'll allow football to keep us from worship. We'll allow food to keep us from worship. We'll allow 
gaps and times and all types of things and song selection and chairs and all types of things to keep us from worship. The thing I love about the wise men, here's their pro tip from you. Don't let anything keep you from worship. They could have allowed everything to keep them from worship. And they said, we're going to go and we're going to press through. I saw this on a church sign recently. It was funny. It made me laugh. It said, Jesus rose from the dead. You can't even rise out of bed. I was like, oh, man, this is hurting me right now. They two claps, two claps. Come on now. Stay with me. Right? And I just know that this is a message for me. I'm not picking on anybody unless you sense the Lord picking on you, then let, deal with them. Have business. I'm, I'm talking to myself. Too often, I allow things to keep me from worshiping Jesus. And the wisest thing you could do in the room today, and don't take it from me, take it from the wise men. The wisest, not the most spiritual, not the godliest thing, not the religious thing, the wisest thing you could do this Christmas is worship Jesus. And I don't base that off of my own opinion. I'm, I'm sitting with my journal out learning from the wisest people in the world. And they're saying, hey, we got all the money, we got all the stature, we got all the fame and followers. We're letting all that go because we found someone who's even greater than us. His name is Jesus. He's, he's born of a virgin, Isaiah 7 and 9. He's, he's in Bethlehem, the, the Malachi prophecy, and we're going to find him. We're going to him. If you want to join me, join me. But we're going to him. And I love that they didn't allow anything to keep them from worship. And I would encourage you, don't allow anything to keep you don't even allow yourself to keep you from worship. Sometimes you got to talk to yourself and just say, self, we go into worship today. Sometimes you got to worship your way into worship. You do. I, at least I, maybe it's just me, all right? I'm talking to myself. But they, this was their heart. This was their approach that they said the real meaning of Christmas is still Christ, and we're going to worship him. Let me go to the last and final point, and we'll be done with this message today. Are you, are you, listen, are you still with me? If you're with me, say, I got you. Got you. The last is they brought meaningful gifts. Now, this is a pro tip for somebody in the room for tonight, because if your gifts this year are meaningless, in other words, you're a re-gifter, right? Or in other words, you're like, a, hey, like, let me just run to Walgreens tonight and get a candle, right? Not, that could be meaningful for somebody. Uh, no, no shade. But make your gifts meaningful. That would be wise, right? Make your gifts meaningful, because that's what the wise men did. They said, we're showing up to worship the king. We can't show up empty-handed. We're showing up bringing something into the house. We're going to show up. We're not going meaninglessly. We're not, we're not moving aimlessly. We're following the star. God is guiding us. He's providing for us. And when we get there, we're not just going to worship with ourselves. We're going to worship with our gifts. I'm challenged by these wise men. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Let me just pause there and highlight that for a second. What does that even mean? They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. I think what that means to me is that they had like a super tank of joy. Like rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were ultimately turned up. Like the joy, of, the joy barometer was 110%. Because they were joyful. Let me give you this word, pro tip. Jesus will get the worship. You'll get the joy. Too often we think, oh, man, let me do this boring religious Jesus stuff. 
When in reality, that's where the exceeding amount of joy is found. That in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And our culture needs not just temporary happiness. Come on, we need some of that. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. Joy to the, yeah, I'm a clap. I was with you. you. You were tracking with me. Look, joy to the world is not just a good Christmas song. That's biblical right there. That not just walk church receives joy, but the world, the nations are receiving joy because of this Messiah who's coming and letting all people in. People that are broken, people that are addicted, people that have problems, people that are lonely, people that are down and out, people that feel like they wasted their lives, people that feel like they blew it, people that feel like they were religious all their life, but they never fully worshiped God. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here for you. Come to me. And get filled up with great, exceeding, abundant joy. Now, verse 11 says that they were going into the house where they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Now, before I studied this, I always envisioned the three wise men. They show up at the very moment Mary gives birth to the baby. And it's this special, beautiful manger scene where they got on one knee and presented their gift, right? Do you guys, can you see him? Yep. That's totally wrong. The scripture says that they went into the house. What house? And they didn't see a baby. They saw a child. Let me remind you. It took these these wise men two to three, maybe to four years to follow this star. This was their GPS, a star. They showed up at Jerusalem. And they said, hey, look, we're here to see Jesus. We're trying to find this baby. And they finally made it to the house. And could you imagine when they saw him, they showed up stinky, sweaty, tired. And here they are, and they see him, this child. This was a little boy named Jesus. And they see Mama Mary. And they showed up at the house. So it's a little different than the typical narrative, but this is the biblical narrative. Amen? And I, and I hope that you can appreciate it more. That it wasn't just a sweet, you know, moment where everybody gathered together and, you know, that, that's warm and fuzzy. But really, it was a lot of hard work and a little boy Jesus. And they showed up late, but praise God, they showed up. Amen? That's a word for somebody tonight. Maybe you feel like you showed up late. In other words, not just late for the service, but you showed up to Jesus late. You feel like you've wasted a lot of your life. You feel like, man, you know what? I didn't know Jesus until I was older. I feel like I'm late to the game and now all I, all I can do is do what? Well, here's what they did. They showed up and they worshiped. If you showed up late, it doesn't matter when you showed up, it just matters what you do when you get there. That they got there and they said, we're here to do one thing. We're here to worship Jesus. Now let's look at their posture. How did they worship? How did they worship? They fell down and worshiped him. The thing that's so dynamic about that is that scholars believe and tradition tells us that wise men would never do such a thing. To fall down and worship, to get down on the ground to a little boy. Can you see this? Here's what they knew. They knew that he was even bigger than them. they, they, They knew that this little boy Jesus was the king of all kings. They're saying, hey, we could go see a king and that would be cool. But what would it be to see the king that's even bigger than all kings? The capital K-I-N-G, 
king, right? They got there and they fell down and they began to worship him. I wonder if the song they sang was, oh, come, let us adore him, for he alone is worthy. Amen? They began to worship this king. And how good is it, right? These wise men were risky in their worship. They were bold in their worship. Maybe you'd say, how? Well, the scripture says they showed up in Jerusalem shouting out, we're looking for the king of the Jews. Now, just so some some context, the king at that time was a guy named Herod. Now, King Herod was the wickedest, craziest king we've ever known in history. He killed his wife because he thought his wife was a threat. He killed his two, two sons because he thought his sons would grow up and become a threat to his kingdom. The scholars said that you were, you were safer to be a pig in the pig pen of Herod Shepherd than be a family member because he was so dangerous. Here comes these wise men saying, we're looking for the king, and it's not you, Herod. Now, that could have been instant death. But I think even Herod was so appalled by these wise men that he was like, are y'all crazy? They must know something that I don't. The scripture says that he summoned them and ascertained wisdom from them. And, and the wise men are saying, don't you know that the, your king is being born in Bethlehem? And he's going to be your savior if you receive him. And King Herod is puzzled by this. And he's fear of this. And he's treading. And he says, you know what? I'm going to send you guys. And we're going to follow. Go find this little boy. So I could worship him too. And he didn't mean to worship. He wanted to kill him. But they said, we're not going to stop at Herod or anything else until we find this baby to worship him. Lastly, they brought their gifts. Let's look at these gifts. The first gift that they brought was gold. They brought gold to Jesus. It's looking at William Barclay's commentary. He says it like this. Seneca, the Roman philosopher, tells us that Parthia, it was the custom that no one could ever approach the king without a gift. In gold, the king of metals, is the finest gift for a king. So they were very meaningful in gold, saying, hey, look, what should we bring when we see King Jesus? They were like, well, we got to bring gold. This could have been all their life savings to have a block of gold to give to this family, Jesus. The next gift that we saw them bring was, was, was frankincense, that they brought frankincense. Now, why is frankincense important? Well, frankincense was a sweet perfume that priests would wear. It was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. It was reserved for only priests. The word priest in the original language means bridge. They're saying that this baby, this child, this Jesus would be the bridge between man and God. They're saying that man's on this side. There's a big old cliff and a gap right here, and God's on this side. And what they're saying is this baby, this child, we're bringing him frankincense because here's what we know. He'll be the bridge, that he'll bring us together. He'll be the mediator. He'll be the savior. Only in the priestly room could you smell frankincense. They're bringing that to King Jesus, the most expensive incense you could have. And then the final one is myrrh. Now, why is myrrh important? And I think myrrh is crucial because myrrh was a prophetic gift that they brought to Jesus. We see myrrh mentioned one other time in the Bible. In Mark chapter 15, verse 32, I want you to imagine Jesus hanging on the cross. It says they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. 
but he did not take it. Part of the reason why they offered him myrrh is because myrrh was always associated with death. Tradition tells us that myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. When somebody was dying, you would bring them myrrh because it would help the family with this embalming. It was a very expensive thing to do in the culture. This didn't just happen. It would take time. It would take finances. To give somebody myrrh could be seen as an insult. And here they are looking at the boy Jesus and saying, we've brought you myrrh. Prophetically knowing that this would be the Savior who would be the final sacrifice, who would die for my sin and your sin, and who would save us from our sin and be the bridge back to God so that all of us can enjoy eternity with Christ, the risen Savior. Amen? That, that, that God is sending his son to reconcile man back together. That King Jesus with gold, priest Jesus frankincense, and our Savior Jesus with myrrh. I'll close with a quote from William Barclay. One more. He says it like this. He says, gold for a king frankincense for a priest, myrrh for one who was to die. These were the gifts of the wise men. And even at the cradle, the gifts foretold that he was to be the true king, the perfect high priest, and in the end, the supreme savior of the world. Amen? That that's Jesus. And the pro tip for us tonight as we close this time out is that we would show up today we represent our gift of worship to him. And that he would come down and he's here tonight. He's, Jesus is here in attendance tonight by his spirit. And he's saying, come worship me. Be joyful today. And know what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. Let's pray.